People want to believe. We tell each other, just read the Bible. But what happens when it just isn't easy to understand? This is No God. You are listening to the No God Podcast. I am Micah, and as always, I'm here today with my dad, Tony. Hello, Micah. And my very excited mom, Sandy. Hello, Micah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, So we are back in our season two. We're just kind of getting started. Um, Last week, we talked about being considerate. Mm -hmm. And today, we are jumping off of that onto... Right. We're going to go on to, is it okay for a Christian to be tolerant? Or tolerance is our topic for the day. All right. And that's a question that people have, is that it seems like we're in a time when, at least in some circles of of believers, of Christians, that somehow there has to be some intolerance going on in order to be a true believer, that you can't accept all of the the sin around us or something like that. And so yeah. there's this atmosphere that it's a negative to be tolerant. Yeah. And so that's what we want to uh, address today. And it's sort of, maybe even a larger thing, just kind of... Um, people like to be outraged. It does mm-hmm. seem that way. It feels maybe it's just that it because there is emotion that's felt. A person feels alive when they're angry or outraged, um, and they have an opportunity to express that. And of course, social media creates the little buffer of not anonymity, but definitely distance. Uh, yeah, you don't have to do the, the reaction. immediate reaction of people right in your face. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, actually, you don't even know if you're tolerant if you don't have somebody in your face at times <laughs> testing your tolerance, <laughs> which leads us to some of the definitions and stuff. So, right. anyway, big topic, great one. It's a great one to follow up with because, as we talked in the last podcast about being considered, being considered is proactive. I have to go out of my way and take initiative and go do something to be considerate. It's not a passive thing. But tolerance is actually something that is at least reactionary or reactive. I don't uh, go and do something to show that I'm tolerant. Tolerance is something that a situation comes at me or a person comes at me Mm -hmm. and my tolerance is then either visible or it's non-existent. So it's not something that I have to set out to prove every day. It's something that is existing within me or within us as people. So to kind of give a background a little bit to tolerance in conversations, at least for American Christians, Mm -hmm. is that the uh, framework of the United States government and the founding fathers and their founding documents, the Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution, have in behind there a lot of presupposition about tolerance as being a value. It's the assumption that we will be tolerant. Right. That tolerance is a necessary characteristic in order for the culture to exist right and for the government to exist and so that takes its roots back to a english philosopher named john locke who lived in the 1600s or the seven, the 17th century and john locke was very influential in his writings toward the individuals who eventually were uh, framing up the declaration of independence and the united states constitution and it really shows through in the declaration of independence as a framework of, of what's behind there. So Locke was very much in there. He had a, he had a essay that was called uh, a, letter of Into- uh, a Letter of Tolerance, mm-hmm. and it became kind of a touchstone, and there were some other documents that, he, that people found after he was dead that kind of contributed to all that. But he's really the one 
that did it. And so I kind of want to just start with some of his stuff because it is significant because he influenced American political leaders, but he also strongly influenced American religious leadership. And that's kind of a lesser known fact. And so Locke is the one that began to kind of ponder about what can we do and get out of these religious wars that had occurred through the centuries in mm-hmm. Europe. That it, he just, he and others, but he was just putting voice to it, saw the absurdity of Christians killing Christians. Right. In, in the name of nationality. And also then Christians killing Christians in the name of religion. Right. And so he began to do this framework. Of course, he was building on what other people had done. So he's just one of one philosopher in the flow of many that were doing this. But he says things like this. He said, he just says that if uh, solemn assemblies, festivals, public worship can be permitted for any group, any sort of assemblies. He uses some old language. And so it's kind of like reading King James or Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, it's sometimes a little bit hard to read stuff. But he says, although these things ought to be permitted, um, to one group, and so he names them. He says Presbyterians, Independents, Anabaptists, Arminians, Quakers, and others. Everybody should have the same liberty. And so he's beginning to say, you know what, if we let, if we say, well, people within this slice can have tolerance, then why, that's artificial. We have to give the same tolerance to every slice of religiousness, is what right. his first that conversation was. And then he moves it forward, he goes, and then he says this, and I, he uses the word nay, you know, like no, instead, <laughs> you know. Nay! Nay! <laughs> we may openly speak the truth as becomes one man to another, neither pagan nor Mohammedan, which is the way they said uh, Muslim back in those, that was their, their word for it. So neither pagan nor Mohammedan nor Jew ought to be excluded from the civil rights of the Commonwealth because of his religion. He, that was really radical mm-hmm. statement for the 1600s in England. He was saying, you know what, if we're going to do this for segments of Christianity, right. then it makes no sense that under the umbrella of civil government that we don't give the same thing to all religions. Or unbelievers. Well, he didn't they say unbelievers yet. He didn't say he unbelievers. Didn't say but he had, he had that as anybody who has a framework of, of deism, basically, is what he was saying. Okay. And so he says, you know what? He says, shall we suffer or allow? Because suffer was a word for allow back in those that century. <laughs> so shall we suffer a pagan to deal and trade with us? And shall we not also, I'm going to paraphrase now, allow him to pray and worship God in the way that he decides? If we allow the Jews to have private houses and dwelling amongst us for worship, why don't we let them have synagogues? And of course, he's addressing a specific British law at that time that mm-hmm. Jews could worship in their homes but couldn't have a synagogue at that time. And he okay. said, it doesn't make sense. They're worshiping house, synagogue. What's the difference is what he's saying. And so I don't want to belabor all of his points here, but he basically is saying that the same thing should be granted to Jews, to pagans, to anybody that he names out that he thinks of, because he says it's not the diversity of opinions, but the refusal of toleration to those that are of different opinions that has produced all the bustles and wars that have been in the Christian world because of religion, on account of religion. And so he has a lot more words there. Right. But basically he's just saying, he's thinking, okay, it's not the fact that people have differences of opinions that causes wars. It's the fact that they're intolerant of each other's opinions that causes wars. Now, 21st century America right now, we still mainly are in the war of words but what John Locke would warn us is mm. say, oh, you're not that, it's not that big of a jump to go from 
war of opinions right. to actual physical violence. Yeah. Well, that has happened mm -hmm. in our nation. Yeah. So people who think, well, let's just make everybody's opinions match mine and then we will all be happy. Right. Locke said that's a dead end. That's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's impractical. And it also, that's not the reason that people fight. They fight because they want to fight. It's not, it's not because they have different opinions. And so tolerance then is something that's missing in that situation. So, so Locke actually did struggle a little bit. I kind of want to mention this. He did struggle with figuring out how it worked for the atheist in a uh, civil society, in a mm -hmm. governmental society, because he, Locke at his time felt like you had to have the ultimate kind of bar of justice of the fear of God's judgment at the end of this life to hold people accountable in order for tolerance to thrive. Because he taught that tolerance was something that happened within the framework of agreed upon values or boundaries, as we would say. Right. It's like good fences make good neighbors. It's like clear borders make compatible nations with each other. They're not fighting about this land in between. Mm -hmm. um, and it would be also that we have to have a common set of values in order to be able to do life together. And Locke would, Locke, I mean, so the founding father said, well, it doesn't have to be Bible words. It doesn't have to be like New Testament, quote, law. Yeah. It needs to be, and then they followed Locke's and other philosophers' wording so that we ended up with the American Declaration of Independence that said, we find these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are... Life, Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yes. Fairly well known in America for a founding document. Right. And Locke would have said, that's good enough. We just need to have a core set of common values. So that's the agreed upon boundaries. Yep, that's the agreed upon boundaries. And so then tolerance can function within those agreed upon boundaries, which then leads us to you and I had been talking in weeks before right. that kind of fills out this picture from Locke of the uh, 17th century to a philosopher that you have run across. Yeah. And that's uh, uh, Karl Popper. And I remember um, reading about him back in well, years ago in my humanities classes in college and sort of the, um, the paradox of tolerance is what they always call it, but kind of how you can have a tolerant society, like what that makes up. And his um, famous quote there is, in order to maintain a tolerant society, the society must be intolerant of intolerance. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's again, a paradox because there is something you have to in, not tolerate to be able to tolerate. Mm -hmm. And, in, you know, his was that intolerance. Right. So tolerance has to have a defined boundary to allow it to thrive. Otherwise, because you think about it, if I tolerate that my next door neighbor, it's okay for him to murder everybody on the street, well, then that's yep. the end of my tolerance because I'll be dead. Right. Yeah, and that's what it was, right? <laughs> when you don't, when you tolerate intolerance, then the intolerance will win. Yes. And you've lost, you've lost life, right. liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to use American yep. framework. Right. Yeah. So... I know this is a podcast that's called No God. No God. <laughs> so far, we've talked about philosophy and, and founding documents of the country. Yes. So 
again, a, a believer may say, well, that's all fine and dandy. Yep. I'm not an American first. I am a Christian first. Yes. And the thing is that I wanted to show, first of all, that Locke was a believer in God, maybe wouldn't have necessarily attended your church, okay? Right. Maybe would add some differences about that. But he's basically saying that in Christianity, Christians had to come to the point where they needed to be tolerant of each other or they're going to kill each other and eradicate Christianity from the face of the earth if you take it to its logical conclusion. Because right. if we're going to kill fellow Christians who disagree with us, mm -hmm. then that's the end of Christianity. Besides the fact that he said it's totally contrary right. to the core values of Christianity. So he said, if we stick to the core values of Christianity, then we won't keep be killing each other off. And that's called tolerance. Mm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. So let's just kind of describe a little bit more of what I think Bible words that teach Tolerance, because tolerance is, is a word that's actually found in the Bible, but it's not found very often, and it's also in some places is actually used negatively. You tolerate that woman Jezebel says yep. in the Book of Revelation, meaning you tolerate a sinful person. And because it's talking about in the framework of within a congregation that was, right. was addressed to a congregation in uh, chapter two or three of Revelation, and he's basically saying, well, a core value of a church is that you don't do sex as part of worship service mm -hmm. and this jezebel character whoever you know met it maybe metaphorically was talking about but probably was an individual that was teaching some type of of uh sexual promiscuity because mm -hmm. that was a problem in the early church not just in the book of revelation so is is there um a, a biblical truth maybe or whatever of like levels of tolerance or like circles of tolerance where like because uh, we we're saying you know tolerance is you have to have agreed upon things so like let's take the country life liberty pursuit of happiness so you have that umbrella of mm -hmm. one tolerance right but as you get a smaller closer community like your church you can have a different layer of tolerance where there's some things you would tolerate in your larger society that you're not going to tolerate in your smaller society i think so because okay so let's let's take it down to the smaller society <clears throat> well the smallest society would actually be my congregation right so let's keep it a circle bigger and that okay. is Christianity at least the group of churches in Christianity <laughs> that I consider which I'm talking about I'm talking that we have that bubble too okay so in that circle it is my I just have to speak in my own terms in my circle is I don't really think that people should be having sex within the church with people that they're not married to okay okay yeah and especially even more destructive, not more sinful, but just more destructive to the church is if people within the fellowship are crossing the lines of sexual purity with someone else in the fellowship, Right. then we have some teachings in 1 Corinthians that talk about the destructiveness to the fellowship that occurs. I mean, you know, that's, so that's a boundary of values that there is this, uh, sexual purity integrity mm -hmm. that goes on amongst married people that they they hold that because it helps other families other married couples in the same fellowship to not fear each other that one someone is going to quote steal their spouse i know that that's odd phrasing and it's like what are we talking about here tolerance or not <laughs> well we're talking about areas that we're intolerant we are intolerant of breaking that core value because it will break the bond right and that is trust. because that's an agreed value of that particular yes. sphere of community. Right. 
And a lot of our No God podcast and the blogs that I put on the TonyKafka.com are talking about in it's 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 uh, kind of a natural thing that happened natural in the sense that it's almost inevitable that circles of believers whether it's a certain congregation or whether it's a certain group of congregations called a denomination or something mm -hmm. or, or whatever that we add these other things that we define as core values that the bible doesn't necessarily say should be a core value and right. we make that a a core value and so then a person gets a misunderstanding that that's what all that's what it means to be a christian when it's really about this is what it means to be in our exclusive group of christians right. okay that another i mean let's just use a not so bizarre but also very kind of like nobody wants to talk about it <laughs> there's some churches that if you're anything except a certain political party okay if you are not a republican well, then you better be nothing. Because if you're the opposite party in our, in our current culture, that would be the Democrats. If you're a Democrat, then you can't be a part of this church. Right. Well, that is an artificial value. It's a, it's a value that is not taught in the Bible. Yeah. Right. So that's intolerant. Yes. <laughs> well, intolerance. Right. They have chosen a value that is not agreed upon by all churches but the truth is if they want their little tiny their circle i don't want to say tiny their circle of what they define as real christians to have that value then that's it but they have to answer ultimately to god about right. adding something to what god didn't put there mm -hmm. yeah hey but well, we're getting into the weeds a little bit here yes um so i kind of pulling out larger sphere than like for the you know, country or whatever, then there's a different set of values you've agreed on. So tolerance means something different there. Right. And the tolerance then is built in the framework of agreed upon core doctrinal values that we find in the Bible. And churches have various ways of doing that. Some will say, well, that's not a core. This one is a core. Mm -hmm. And that's part really that, that kind of spreads why there are so many different churches. Right. Why well, it gets mm -hmm. messy. Yes, it gets messy. John Locke speaks to that says, you know what? I don't care if you're Baptist or if you're Presbyterian or, or whatever, you have to decide that as much as you think that's important, you have to let it go and look at the, the most core value, which in our podcast we've talked about that it fundamentally is faith in Jesus Christ as the right. Savior, the Son of God. That is the one core value. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So from there, we have this core value. And so then we find this concept of in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave some of his core values in was when he talked about that blessed are the meek for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's in Matthew chapter five, verse five. And the meekness is a word that is represents or at least communicates control or mm -hmm. self-control or okay. control by a higher power. Because this is the word, this is the classic Greek word study. The Greek word that is represents what Jesus said there is a word that was used to describe Bucephalus, the horse of Alexander the Great. Okay. As a general, he had his horse named Bucephalus, that his horse was described as meek. This horse was incredibly powerful. It obviously was the best horse in the army right. because he was... Alexander the, the Great. Alexander the Great, dictator general. 
right. benevolent dictator. Uh, <laughs> not exactly, actually. Right. Um, but so when Jesus said, blessed are the meek, and then Matthew was writing that in Greek for readers, it represents this concept of power under control. Right. It's not a lack of strength or a lack of ability. It's you have, you are strong, but you control it. You control you it. And it it's actually controlled sense. by the master. So right. our power, my individual power is controlled under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so it is in, under Jesus Christ that the, I am then tolerant. Jesus, if I'm understanding his word, if mm -hmm. I know it, then I am behaving in a way that reflects his commands. And so that means I don't have to, I'm not going to react out of my own um, personal opinions and emotions. Emotions, thank you. That's where I'm going to be intolerant, behave in a way that hurts other people and that actually makes an issue out of something that is not an issue. Because mm -hmm. tolerance is really that. When I'm intolerant, I'm making an issue out of something that should not be an issue. Okay. Mm. So another way to say that would be blessed are those who are under the, allow themselves to be under the control of God. Right. Christ. Mm -hmm. That they are subject to God, that they are, they're in God's hands. I mean, whatever phrase helps people to understand that. So that's that kind of humble thing that goes on, strong enough then to protect, strong enough to follow to, to exercise power where needed. Because tolerance, well, let's just take another step here. Yep. In Romans chapter two, verse four, the, this is in the flow of a passage talking about how God relates to people, how God relates to people who are in rebellion to him, sinners. Okay. So this is God dealing with people. That, so God has this core value, which we all know is love, mm -hmm. for God so loved the world mm -hmm. that even when we were yet sinners, Romans five, Christ died for us. So there is this core value that God has, which is he loves people and wants to bring them back to him. Okay. That's yeah, his core yeah. value. And so in that core value, it's described this way in the New American Standard Bible. They have translated it this way. Or so do you think, because it's basically saying, do you take for granted that God is being so good to you? Okay. Even though you are totally against God as a sinner. So he says, do you take, do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance, which is an interesting thing because it tells us that the way that God draws us to him is through kindness and tolerance. And so just kind of quick, do a, just kind of jump to the other track. How do we win other people to our opinion? How do we help other people move toward a direction that they need to go? It is through kindness and tolerance, right? Not arguing not winning the debate Heavy and winning hands, yes hands. so we have the model of god in this passage and that word for tolerance because not all pa uh some of them will say uh, other words in there so the new american standard is the one that's got the word english word tolerance but it is a greek word that basically is to hold back which again has a sense of here's power that i could be yeah it's like i have all of this I have all these great answers. I have all these ways I could convince this person that they are wrong, but I hold back. And instead, my first reaction is kindness and tolerance and patience. That's what tolerance can do. Tolerance can surround a person with an environment of, of kindness and grace, huh. which is what... Do we really want people to put 
to change their mind and to become believers, and this goes all the way back to John Locke's mm -hmm. philosophy, do we want to do this because we have forced them at the threat of death right. to make them believers? He said, that's laughable. I mean, he didn't use the word laughable. He used a word that's more difficult to understand because he was writing 400 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and so we just, he, now let's just take it a step closer. Do we really want to say that we've gained converts to Christ because we have somehow badgered them mentally and argumentatively into accepting our position that they, they they are stuck with feeling like well i'm a fool if i don't agree yeah. with this guy and what paul writes here in romans is that's not even god's approach god's approach is to encircle a person with an environment of kindness tolerance and patience if it's good enough for god i mean it's almost like well we could end the podcast <laughs> if it's good enough for god then it's good enough, good enough for us to imitate that. Tolerance is to be responsive to a situation, to surround people with the protection that they need. The protection would be kindness, patience. They're in a bubble of protection so that they have time to respond. Right. And if they are going outside of the core values, they're going to hurt people. There's, there's a legitimate way to uh, draw boundaries. And that's more at the civil government because we have in the United States rightly i mean a great concept which john locke espoused is the separation of church and state right the church does not enforce civil law yeah and the civil government does not enforce church doctrine that is the fundamental part of that which is a great thing mm -hmm. yeah. and it allows us to have this conversation so let's move on so then the things that that kind of work against tolerance then is that people are drawn to, and this is a typical political um, uh, strategy, but you'll see it also in people who are having religious conversations. They like to push people and kind of push them up against the wall, mentally speaking, with wedge issues. Okay. How can you believe this and call yourself a Christian? Huh. Is That's the kind of phrasing. Mm -hmm. And so in American politics, wedge issues are found out by focus groups and by Gallup surveys and other kinds of surveys that say people are really, this is a hot button issue. If you say something about this, you'll get all these people to vote for you. Oh, okay. So it's all about just convincing people to vote for you regardless of anything else. And that's, you know, that's just, that's American politics. So and, what's wedge issues in the church? Well, think about it. What would some, if someone walked in the door and they go, oh, you, you believe that? I'm out of here. Okay. That's a wedge issue. Okay. Okay. And there is some of that, but sometimes it, let's think of it more in this way. Let's think about the people sitting inside of the church and they go, there's certain people we don't want in the church. And so the wedge issue is if you do this or you believe this, mm -hmm. then you're, you just as well not even bother attending okay. our church. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that would be all. I mean, there are a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of issues like that. I yeah. mean, some churches would hold to. Um, a literal, you have to accept this six-day, literal, 24-hour day creation. That's a wedge issue. Now, there, they may have all kinds of reasons that they believe this is the only way that the Bible teaches this. Mm -hmm. But to disagree with that, they would just say, well... Go somewhere else. Don't go somewhere here. else. Yeah. So that would be one of them. And obviously, there are wedge issues that are like, well, I have them too. If a person doesn't believe that Jesus is the only way, you know, to, yeah. to me, a clear passage is John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, words of Jesus. 
And so if someone says, well, Jesus is only one of the ways to God, I would say, well, okay, you can believe that, but in order to be, that's a core value for our church. Right. Every church creates that. Every circle of church leadership, whether it's at the denominational level or whether it's at the congregational level, every church has that kind of thing. Creates those values. Yeah. And as I was sharing earlier, you cannot have tolerance if you don't have shared values. The trick is, the, the thing that this podcast can't really solve is... Which ones are they? What are those core values? Yeah. We have other podcasts that address some of that. Mm-hmm. And and there's other ways to deal with that. But right now we're just talking about... Cause, because our country right now feels very intolerant. There's right. lots of intolerance. So mm-hmm. we're just defining what is the framework of tolerance, which mm-hmm. is there has to be shared values. And so if I want to have tolerance in the United States of America... I have to really say, well, you know, we may disagree about this, 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 and this, but do we agree on this founding document of that everyone is entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Right. So then that becomes that yeah. that boundary for us. And then from there, as you get other smaller communities, you have to find those things that you agree on. Right. And religious, you know, religious faith communities as well have mm-hmm. those. Yeah. As we just I think that through, the the tolerance comes because we understand these core values and we avoid distraction from those core values. And so um, it's very similar to some of the other conversations we had about how to disagree and about how to have consideration. And so when we think about what are the boundaries that a church can have, let's just keep it at the individual congregational level. So yeah, one single one congregation. Of, one of the things that we have, because we talked about Titus chapter 3, verses 8 and 11 in other podcasts, in the consideration and also in the disagree, how to disagree. How to disagree last season. It mm-hmm. is, eventually you come to the point of that one of the, the core measurements of a person being intolerant is that they are divisive. And so mm-hmm. in Titus, we have this statement from the Apostle Paul. He says, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time and after that have nothing to do with them. That creates that boundary of here's you can't be trying to disrupt the core values of this group. Right. Now, they could have a huddle and decide, well, this isn't a core value that we have anymore. Right. But as we have found in our other podcast is people who are divisive are divisive because they like to be divisive. The issue is not really the deal. Right. It is a character defect that I just like to cause problems and I like to draw up lines because actually the word heresy which is we use heresy <laughs> in the Bible we use heresy in church as somebody has some odd belief okay, yeah. but heresy in its original meaning and even in the New Testament is actually a word that is to that describes drawing uh, uh, picking sides heresy is about picking sides it is not it was not used Huh. to say that this is a doctrine that's out of bounds. It is that here is a wedge issue that now we're going to pick sides on. That's heresy. <laughs> Interesting. A little bit free. Hmm. And so when we think about tolerance, an attitude of let's choose up sides is intolerant. So in this common set of values, we move on to then we still have to, we have these moments when they get defined or they get delineated. And so in the church, we have... Because uh, tolerance assumes I can live with the fact that there's this paradox of oh, I don't really want to have to put up with that. I don't want to have to go along with that. 
but it is not one of our core issues. Right. And so it's interesting because Jesus, with his disciples when he was on the earth, he had this whole thing where he actually, con what appears to be contradict contradicting himself. Okay. So Mark 9, and there's parallels to it, but Mark 9, 38 to 40. Why don't, Sandy, why don't you go ahead and read that? Okay. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. For no one who does a miracle in my name can be can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Okay. So the disciples had been arguing earlier about who was the greatest. And then they were really fussing about, but everybody's got to be in our circle. Right. And here's this guy over here doing the exact same thing that we're doing. And he's actually having success. He's actually doing some miracles. But he's not one of us, Jesus, so tell him to stop. <laughs> and so Jesus says, you know what? Hey, core values the same. Jesus is the Messiah. Yep. So leave him alone. He's not one of our, he's not one of you 12, but he's fine because he's doing the right thing. He's living by the core value that is Jesus is the Messiah. Because he says, anybody gives you a cup of water because I'm the Messiah, they're on the right track. Mm -hmm. So this takes, so when we think about intolerance, sometimes we have that almost like pettiness of, eh, they're not one of us. Right. You know, they haven't signed our, they haven't signed our commitment covenant thing or whatever it is that we have. And so that creates a problem. So the apostles have that same problem. Now let's look at another passage that almost seems to contradict it. And that's in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30 to 32. Mike, I don't know if you want to run with that or, or Sandy does. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. We have the exact same core value, but the, the, the admonition is the opposite. In the one, he said, leave the guy alone. He's doing fine. But in the other one, Jesus says, no. They're against me, so they so they are not for me because they did not accept his identity as the Messiah, and that the evidence of the holy the miracles that the Holy Spirit was bringing at the hands of Jesus, mm -hmm. they denied and said that Jesus' power was coming from Satan, mm -hmm. actually. Right. And so Jesus said they are denying a core value, which is I came from God, and I'm doing God's work. They're against. They are. As he says, they're not with me, and so therefore they're against me. Because there were Pharisees who opposed him, but then there were also Pharisees, religious leaders, who just kept quiet about it, but they were not about to accept Jesus as the Messiah, right. and therefore were working against him in a more quiet sense. Mm -hmm. So these, this is just an example of the paradox of it's the core value Jesus is the Messiah. That is the defining aspect of these passages. And so when we think about tolerance, tolerance is about understanding the core value or values that are our parameters, that inside of that, we can be totally tolerant. Outside of that, we have to look at, does it fit the bigger circle? In mm -hmm. other words, a person who doesn't claim to be a Christian are not held to the same standard. Right. Mm -hmm. Then we only hold them to the standard of being a citizen of the country. Right. That's the standard. Right. And so it's what have I identified with? And of course in America, 
you even have people who are not citizens mm -hmm. who technically then only have to obey the law of the land. They don't have to really live by the values. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because there are values that are not in law. Right. Right. But they can't break laws and get away with it, or at least that, that they will be prosecuted if they're found. So let's kind of move on a little bit. Because, again, just in general terms, we have Romans 12, uh, the whole second half of that chapter, 14 to 21, but we're not going to read all that. I just want to remind us that in the midst of all of that, he talks about live in harmony with one another. That sounds a little bit like the considerate thing, but it's still more passive. It is that I'm protecting this environment of harmony. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's tolerance. Tolerance is protecting an environment. And then he says in verse 18, a little more proactive, but it is still in the, that realm of tolerance. He says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, you know, as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Because he says in verse 18, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now that sounds like tolerance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As much as it depends on you, you are tolerant. You live at peace with everyone. So that's the tolerance come, uh, comes in there. And then you also have some other passages, but really I kind of think that that's a good place to kind of land our kind of overview of biblical teaching. Yeah. We have those, we have all the way that God is tolerant with us. He sets the model for us. Mm -hmm. He doesn't strong arm us into his positions, nor does he force us to accept him, but rather we are given the opportunity to come into that circle. And so in Christianity, in the church, People, that's a voluntary organization. Mm -hmm. Right. It's in a voluntary association, which just goes all the way back to John Locke. He talked about it's voluntary. Right. So if you're in there, great. Do their rules. If you're not in there, that group cannot enforce their rules okay. onto someone that's not in the group. Right. And so kind of taking another look at that. So um, putting this, the, uh, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, with the earlier um, thoughts of how God treats us with um, kindness and tolerance to get us towards repentance. Um, so if you're looking at your sphere, your congregation, and then those outside of it, better than trying to force the people outside of it to look like you or act like you or believe like you, tolerating them and just treating them with kindness, learning to live at peace with them is a better way to draw them in. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. That doesn't mean we retreat from public discourse. Right. Because that's back to our how to disagree, mm -hmm. because that word was dialogue. Yeah. That we, we are encouraged to dialogue, but we are not encouraged to disrespect someone yeah. because they disagree with us. And that, yeah, goes right back to what we were talking last week, is when you do hit those things that you have the disagreements on, um, discussion doesn't lead to demeaning the person. Right. And so you're still kind to them, even though they don't agree with you. Mm -hmm. And you learn to live at peace with them, even though you have that disagreement. Right. I would remind us, especially, and, and including those that are listening here, we're talking about two, well, probably more than two, but two that come to my mind. <laughs> and that is that there is my involvement in the circle of people outside of the church, people that I would consider they're not believers. Right. Like I, I don't see that they are believers. And so I'm talking to them um, with kindness and tolerance and patience, and, and they're free to choose that in. And then also then I'm a citizen of the United States, 
And so it is legitimate for me to enter into public discourse, still respectful, mm -hmm. but still very plainly in stating my clear disagreements with what someone else may think. And also, I can disagree with a law of the land that reflects what seems to be a core value because in a democracy, mm -hmm. laws change. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what makes some people, both both Christians and non-Christians, uncomfortable is that they go, oh no, that's a horrible law because those people over there finally got their way mm -hmm. and now they're gonna ruin the country. Right. I mean that that's the that's the kind of thing that people go with. My choice, I believe, as a follower of Christ, is I have to stay engaged at whatever level I, my influence is. That if I disagree with a law in the state of, the state that I'm living in or in the country that I'm living in, and I have the opportunity through either direct vote or representative vote to work toward change of that, then I need to do that. Yeah, and that's the structure of our government, because other people will try to change a government through armed rebellion. Right. And I don't think we even want to touch that right now because yeah. it was a whole other... <laughs> so, that's another podcast. With, it doesn't yes. have anything to do with kindness, tolerance, and patience. Right. Strong arming. Right. And so, yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a very difficult yes, it is. topic. <laughs> and again, because there, there's paradox within it and it does tie so much to some of the other ones we talked about with being considerate, with uh, how to disagree. Mm -hmm. um, and it's... Because tolerance doesn't mean you don't have beliefs, and it doesn't mean that you are just okay with anything that happens. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's more uh, tied to having kindness and compassion for other people. Yeah, the right. way, the manner. In and the, it shows in the respect, which goes back act, to yeah. our podcast, the last podcast, which was being considerate. It is that I hold to the human value of the person that I'm in disagreement with. Yeah. That I'm not going to diminish their value as a human being, but I am going to disagree with them openly. And I may even try to write about, you know, I mean, whatever whatever medium I choose to go with. But think about we are in the midst of a time, and this is not like, I mean, way back to the era of the election between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson mm -hmm. for the second president of the United States, there was already smear campaigns that diminished the value of the opponent right? through proxies, which doesn't that sound familiar <laughs> in our day and time. And so it is a typical political strategy, but just because it is typical in America doesn't mean that even non-believing Americans, non-Christian Americans should accept that as a valid yeah. method. Mm -hmm. Because... It's it is uh, it's destructive to the fabric of the the culture and destructive to the values. I mean, yeah. if we we value life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but I am going to do everything that I can to diminish your liberties and to diminish your ability to pursue your happiness, and and those are all things that have to be defined because your happiness may actually cause my unhappiness. <laughs> and that's where laws set in and it's it's hard. Yeah. I mean, so uh, bottom line, this is not an easy thing to learn. It's... Uh, there are so many applications of it. Yeah. It's, it's not an easy thing to live out. Yeah. But even Jesus talked about that 
within the same household, the same family, mm-hmm. that the that a mother would be set against her daughter-in-law and that a son would be set against his father. And Jesus was talking about even in the midst of choosing that value of that Jesus is the Messiah, mm-hmm. that it will create a tension and a separation in families. And so even at the family level, because we think about that, we think of that as one of the core units in, in yeah. society. And so we know that even the core value of whether or not we accept Jesus as the Messiah can be can create all of a sudden a division. separation, yeah. division from people that I've, that we've been close to. But tolerance then is well within this circle, we have we are tolerant about. Actually, the closer our circle and the more values that we have defined, that actually less room of tolerance there is. Mm-hmm. There's less things to be tolerant about. The bigger the circle, and the more broad the values, the more that tolerance has to be exercised. Because we're going to have tons of areas that we don't agree. Yeah. Well, so where does this leave us? Well, one, we need to defend core values because it is the framework of tolerance. And so we can't just say, well, everybody needs to be tolerant. We need to say, what well, we also need to understand what our boundaries are, which right. is in, the, in America, pursuit, you know, endowed with inalienable rights among these life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. That's... Uh, Declaration of Independence that then was put into statutes or right. law in the United States. And then so clear down to like the core values of your family. Right. This is how we behave. Mm-hmm. And in families, we have seen, families sometimes go, which often is like in the hands of the parents or the grandparents, mm-hmm. depends on what kind of hierarchical structure there is in that family. Sometimes the people who have the control or the most power have to relinquish, well, that is not a core, that is a value that I would prefer, but it doesn't have to be a core value for you to be part of my family. Right. Okay, so that, so defend core values. Yeah, second is we work within the framework, the system, mm-hmm. to just, you know, I mean, we work within our governmental system, and if I'm in a part of a church, and I go, well, here's our core values, which is always something that a person should get a really good handle on when they yeah. decide to identify as mm-hmm. a member of a church, yeah. they really need to understand what are the core values and what's the system that operates within this church. Can I be a part of that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it is ultimately that tolerance happens when we can leave final judgment in the hands of God. And if we don't believe in God, in the hands of natural consequences, which is not quite as wise. Because <laughs> <laughs> John Locke said that basically he believed that tolerance has to have the ultimate judgment as kind of like the final arbitrator of you just keep breaking the core values and there's no law against it (laughs) (laughs) and you're going to pay for it someday right that's that's what he had but tolerance we don't know how tolerant we are until we have a situation that comes at us we don't go looking for it it but it comes (laughs) it comes to us yeah and so tolerance is the self-control or the ability to hold back what my natural response would be, evaluate, is this a core value that's being broken? If it is, I need to defend that core value. If it's not a core value, then I need to exercise kindness, tolerance, and patience to bring a person to my way of thinking, or ultimately to God's way of thinking. So there we go. Thanks for sticking with us today. We know this is a a dense one, hitting philosophy and uh, theology and all sorts of other things in this, but... um, Really happy that you joined us. We'll be hitting more topics. We'd love to hear what you guys think about these. If you have any thoughts on this one or other topics you'd like to hear, uh, you can email us at any time at... 
nogod at tonykafka.com, K-N-O-W-G-O-D at T-O-N-Y-K-A-F-K-A.com. Awesome. And if you like our podcast, if you've been listening to us, please drop us a review on whatever platform you are using. It's a great way for us to uh, get this podcast out to more people. Share it on any social media that you use. And again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you.